You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. And today we're going to be talking about something that so many of us face, and that is when our parents in essence, need us to almost parent them. And for me, this is a very personal episode because 19 years ago, I received a phone call on a business trip from Toronto. I was about to fly into LAX and I was told, we're going to section your mother under the Mental Health Act unless you sign her into a home for the elderly mentally infirm. It was probably one of the worst days of my life. I've canceled my trip. I flew home. And I put my mother in a ho into an, these special homes where she could be cared for. And so when I had the opportunity today to interview two wonderful people, Mike and Kim Barnes, because their story is close to mine. They are, in Kim's case, an award-winning TV journalist and reporter, and Mike, a sportscaster. But they've also, during recent times had to make some big decisions for their parents. Alzheimer's, pacemakers, COVID pneumonia, and ultimately making a similar decision, although their mind wasn't made for me, to put their mother into their parents into a retirement community. Welcome to the show, Mike and Kim. Thank you for having us. Good to be here. Thank you. We have a great conversation ahead of us, but maybe talk a little bit about how this unfolded to the point that you have had to make the decision of putting your parents into a community where they can be cared for more. Sure. My parents are just a hair older than Kim's mom. So I guess we were ahead of the game, so to speak. My mom started showing signs of Alzheimer's about 10 years ago, roughly. And as with Alzheimer's, it's not exactly an overnight type of thing. It's a very gradual thing. So I remember my son went up there and stayed a week one summer when he was in high school and came home and said, I'm a little bit worried about Graham. She call, he calls her Graham because she's not remembering some things and told us a couple of stories. And I was like, yeah, I've, I've noticed that lately. And as, as it got progressively worse, we got worried more about my dad. My sister and I were worried because my dad was taking care of her 24-7 to the effect that, that they'd get up in the morning and he'd take her to breakfast. Then they'd come home. 
and he'd take her to lunch and then they'd come and he'd take her to dinner and they'd come home. And uh, my dad doesn't cook, as you can see from what I'm saying, <laughs> but you know, he could afford that. So we weren't worried about the money as, as much as the fact that this is hard on my dad. He was getting close to 80 at the time. And my sister and I said, look, we really think that you need to move mom. The two of you need to move into an independent living place. So it's going to be like a dorm. I think you, they'll take care of you. They're going to have food for you. It'll be like an apartment. It'll be fine. And my dad was a little reluctant at first because he pictured a nursing home like my grandfather lived in back in the eighties in his last two years of life. Mm. And eventually he looked at a couple places and realized it was going to be okay. And they moved in about almost six years ago now. And overnight, my dad was like, son, thank you. This is the best decision we've ever made. Thanks so much. But my mom kept getting worse and worse, and it was still so tough on my dad, even though meals were taken care of, that a couple of years ago, my sister and I started looking at memory care places because of her Alzheimer's to move her, and it would just be her and not my dad. And my dad, again, he knew it had to be done. He was a little reluctant, but he said, whatever y'all think is best. And it took about a year and a half before it finally happened. And last March the 8th of 2021, we moved my mom into memory care, and she's about a mile and a half away from my dad. And they've been married for 62 years and it hasn't been easy on anyone, but it's what has to be done. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Kim, what can you add to that? I think just watching that, what we realized is that as much as their family was very prepared as far as legally, financially, they knew all of those pictures. But what we, what I noticed is that when they started looking, for instance, for a specific, for a memory care location, Mike and his sister were, how do we choose? What questions do we ask? And how do we know what is the right fit? And so I think that it made us realize, wow, it's so overwhelming for them. And they really look like they're pretty prepared. I imagine there are a lot of people that are even less prepared and just the overwhelming and the emotional challenges, because the hard part is that we're used to looking to our parents for advice, assistance, when we have a challenge or something that we're going through, and now we're having to very gently, but also firmly advocate for them as far as I think this is really maybe the better option for you. And so it's really hard when you're in that position. But I think that watching Mike and his family go through this has been, they've handled it. They've handled it so well, but it's been, they've all had to learn and and adapt and having his parents separated for the first time and in 60 plus years of marriage is really hard. And we've, it's just been, but it's been good to see they've all come together. They work together. And so it makes it certainly a lot easier when everybody's on the same page. Yeah. And it is something that we don't talk about in our society. Exactly. You don't talk about it at all in so many ways. And so many people who are in our group, parenting, aging parents say that they've felt alone. I'm so glad I'm in this group because I felt so alone. And we kind of like to compare it to having a baby because when you have a baby, I don't know about anybody else, but when Kim and I had our first baby back in 1997, we had no idea what we were doing. It's a case of, okay, we know how to put a diaper on, but otherwise, okay, he's teething. What do we do? He doesn't want to do anything. He's crying. What do we do? What do we do? But you have friends, you have neighbors, you have relatives, you have coworkers, all these you have people. Your parents. You have your parents, but all these people who say, you know, here's what you need to do this. You pat it on the back and this will happen. Roll it on its side and this will happen. Things will kind of ideas or suggestions because good news is going to come out of it. So all kinds of people love to tell you what to do with your baby and your toddler all over the place. And it's fun because it's a fun experience when it's your parent going through the things, whether it's Alzheimer's or heart problems or just well anything as you're getting older, 
it's not something you like to talk about because it's usually bad news or not exactly fun news. So yeah. you don't walk up to your neighbor and say, yeah, how's your mom doing? Cause mom's doing, mom's doing pretty bad. Doesn't even remember my name anymore. You just don't no. say that. Mm-hmm. So you feel so alone because it's not something you like to talk about. And yeah, it's distressing as well, isn't it? And, and I think that you don't think that other people are going through the same thing so that you don't want to bring it up because you think, gosh, you know, this isn't, they're not going to relate to this or they're not going to um, be able to understand what I'm going through. And so you just think, well, I don't want to bother them with this. But once you realize that you, once you ask a, a question or you bring it up, oh my gosh, everybody has a story. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a situation, whether it was even with their grandmother that they saw their parents taking care of or an aunt or an uncle or something that you're going through currently. And, and I think that the biggest difference between when we have children, there are those developmental milestones that are expected that at this age, you will teeth, at this age, you will walk, at this age, you'll quit sucking your thumb, that this age, you'll do these things. And with our aging parents, the challenge is that there's no set time expectation, if you will. In, in your case, your mom, you were very young when that happened, where mm. the difference between a 60-year-old and a 90-year-old, two 60-year-olds are the same, no two 90-year-olds are the same. And so that's where it gets really challenging because my mom, who's 80 who's 80 may be in better shape than somebody else's dad who's 67 and might be in worse condition than somebody else's parent who's 93. So that's, I think, where it's really hard is that there's not a, oh, you have a toddler, this is what's going on. Just because you have an 80-year-old could be be a variety of challenges or maybe none at all. Yeah, and I can concur with that. Having my mother was 77, when she went into this home, my grandmother was 94. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and they were nothing. They were completely different. And my grandmother did not want to go. It's only because she flooded the apartment below her. That they, <laughs> <laughs> they said, I think it's time for her to go. Yeah. My mother survived a year. My grandmother survived nine in the wow. home. And yeah. so we are, you're quite right in saying that many people listening to this will say, we don't know. We have parents who are really old, who are great, and others they're quite young. And of course, Alzheimer's can happen at any age from our sort of 60s onwards. But you were coping with some other things too, as well at that time, weren't you? Oh, yeah. My dad got COVID last, they both did, but my mom had no symptoms. But my dad got COVID last January, a year ago, January. And he was at home at first, you know, they were living in their independent living place. And and he just sounded like he was had the flu and it got worse and it got worse and worse. And, and finally I'm on the phone one day. Cause we're and, out of town. Yeah. We, because, live, in yeah, we, we live about three hours away and, and I'll never forget being on the phone and he sounds terrible. I'm like, dad, I, I need to call 911 to get an ambulance. You need to go to the hospital, but he has COVID. My mom has COVID, even though she had no symptoms, it's not like I can go up and just walk in and, and take care of things. So I'm like, I'm not sure what to do. And I'm about to pick up the phone to dial. And my sister who had COVID at the time as well, and was feeling ter- terrible. My brother-in-law who had COVID at the time was feeling terrible. Their son who had COVID at the time and didn't feel great, but the son was feeling good enough. He said, I'm going to go over and I'm going to take the grandfather to the hospital. I was like, Oh, okay. Thank goodness. But still I'm, mm-hmm. I'm worried about that. What are we going to do with mom? Mm-hmm. Because mom mm-hmm. is, she doesn't, remember anything she gets confused very easily she depends on on your dad to really but what do we do and and so i started making phone calls to try and get some type of health care 
place to, to go either stay with her or check on her. And it was going to be a long process. And we finally found one who checked on her regularly, not full-time, but regularly throughout the day for the what, three plus days that my dad was in the hospital. But the, the crazy thing about Alzheimer's is it, it is such a terrible disease in so many ways, but I would call and check on mom because again, she's sitting most of the time by herself in this apartment in independent living. And I would call and check on her mom. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. I don't know where your dad is. He, <laughs> he, he ran off to do something like mom, he's in the hospital, but yeah, i just want to make sure. Are you okay? But yeah. yeah, sometimes again, you have to laugh so you don't cry because it's such a strange phenomenon. Well, and your dad was so worried, even while he's in the hospital, about your mom mm-hmm. that he checked himself out of the hospital really before he should have, at the oh. potentially at the detriment of his own health because he was just so worried about her still being at the independent living yeah. apartment. And I think that was a little bit of the impetus that it helped was. him see, okay, if she's not, if we can't feel a hundred percent comfortable with her being in the apartment by herself without somebody going on and checking in on her regularly, then that's some, that's a sign. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, I guess the final straw, so to speak, because we took my sister and I talked to my dad a year ago, October about moving my mom and we had everything set. Everything was signed, sealed and delivered. The date was even set. We knew what was going to happen. And about a week beforehand, my dad said, yeah, I think we need to wait because it the holidays are coming up. It's going to mean so much to mom for Thanksgiving and Christmas and to see everybody. I think we need to wait. And part of me is mom doesn't even know it's Thanksgiving or Christmas. <laughs> but I understand because I told him at the very beginning, when, even before my sister and I started looking at places, I said, Dad, you're going to have to be behind this 100% because if you're not for this move, because it's going to be good for mom, but it's also going to be good for you. But if you're not for it, it's not going to work because if you go to visit mom, and you realize that you love her so much that you want to take her home and, oh, I'm just going to take you for a day and we'll spend the day together. You can't do that. And mm-hmm. But if you start doing something like that, it's going to you know, reverse everything back to the original spot and it's just not going to work. So you have to be behind this. So I said, okay, dad, we'll wait yeah. because if you don't want to do it now, we'll wait. So we were going to do it after Christmas and then COVID came and then they got over COVID. We we're going to do it on February the 8th. And my dad calls me on February the 6th. I, I, we were over at my, our son's house. And I, I still remember getting that phone call. And he says, I'm making an executive decision. We're going to wait until after her birthday on the 22nd and our anniversary on the 27th. Because again, that means so much to her. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. She doesn't know it's February, but okay. Again, I want you to be behind this. So we went up on March the 8th and, and Kim went with me and, and I drove up and my sister and I put my mom in the car and we drove the mile and a half and with red lights, it took five minutes to get there. And we went through people in Alzheimer's get on the loop and they say the same things over and over. And we had the same conversation uh, about three, three and a half times about where are we going? What's wrong with your dad? Oh, okay. That sounds good. What's wrong with your dad? Oh, okay. Where are we going? Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. What's wrong with your dad? Over and over. And and my sister and I were scared to death. We were ready to be emotional. We didn't know it would be it would work well. We didn't know what my mom would do. We walk up to the door and two people from the memory care place meet her, meet us and greet us. They knew we were coming. And one of them shakes my hand and says hello to my sister. And the other one looks at my mom and says, you're so beautiful. And my mom just lit up and had this big smile and took her hand and they walked in together. And my sister and I looked at each other. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It it was the strangest thing. But, you know, that was 
more than a year ago and my dad had to go two weeks without seeing her as she got adjusted to the place. And it's still not easy because some days she has good days. Sometimes she has bad days, but he mm-hmm. visits her all the time. And it's just something that, that we deal with, mm-hmm. but it's part of parenting our aging parents. It is. That is a huge emotional roller coaster. How mm-hmm. did you handle it? I handled it by knowing that I love my mom, but I know what's best for her. And and my sister liked to compare it to, to not in a good way, but having cancer. If you said, if a relative, especially your mom says, I have cancer, what are you going to do? You're going to do the best you can to give her the best care or treatment possible. What can we do to make things better, to, to prolong your life, to make things so that you're better? And we told dad that it's the same thing with memory care, because if all she's doing is sitting in this living room of the apartment in a a reclining chair, just sitting there while you're watching the computer, watching the stock market all day, because that's what my dad loves to do. She's getting no interaction. She's not, it's not helping her brain stay stimulated at all. She can't still play. She loved to play Sudoku all the time. She loved to do the crossword puzzle. She can't do that anymore. So what can she do to at least get a little bit of brain exercise going, she's getting nothing. And so, dad, you got to understand, again, if it was something else, we would do what we could to, to try to not make things better, but to try to give her the care that she needs. So we know now that she doesn't, and it, it puts a smile on my face in a weird way. Every time he visits, every time my dad visits my mom, he calls me right afterwards. He calls both of us and he, my sister and me, and he calls me and he almost always says, I'm so glad he, she's in that place because they take such good care of her. I'm so glad that she seems so well taken care of. Your mom looks so good. I'm, I'm just so happy about that. And I'm like, yes, I, I hate the fact that she's there. I hate the fact that they're split up after being married for 62 years. And yes, they're still married, but not being together for 62 years. It, it's so tough on all of us, especially for him. But to hear him say that mm-hmm. just brings that it just helps you feel like this is the right thing yeah for her. it's not i'd say it's joy but it's just knowing that we're doing the right thing and that's the hardest part is you're not sure when you get to this stage again whether it's alzheimer's or something else mm-hmm. a lot of times you're like i don't know what we should do what should we do here and that's what so many people in our group that's why they ask questions in our mm-hmm. facebook group is they're like okay what should i do here mm-hmm. because we don't know mm-hmm. and so many of us are sure unsure about should we be selfish about this or should we spend the money to do this or should we force our parents to do this or they say want they want to do this but that seems like a terrible idea yeah. but there's all of those things and in our in my situation we've had to deal with a lot of you know taking the checkbook away because there were scams and things like that were happening and so that was a really hard decision because you don't want somebody to feel that their independence is being taken away. And yet we also don't want her to accidentally give some crazy scammer her credit card that goes and does something awful. Or she's had people that have been able to get into her bank accounts and create PayPal accounts in her name and things like that. That there's a, We hear horror stories in our Facebook group about people whose parents have been taken advantage of because of scammers. And you just have to figure out what are the guardrails I can put in place that will hopefully protect them because they wouldn't in their right mind want to give, you know, all this money to a random stranger who they didn't mean to. And I think that, and and I think that with, especially as they get older, my mom is 
lived by herself in a house before she moved to independent living. And she was sometimes probably got a little lonely and wanted to, and these people know, these scammers know how to take advantage of that. And you just don't want them to be, become another victim. And so sometimes you have to step in and do some of those things. And it's challenging. I get questions all the time. Why don't I have a checkbook anymore? And it's mom, remember, we don't, we just, we're just trying to protect you and just trying to make your life super easy. You don't have to worry about anything where somebody is making sure that you, that your rent gets paid and, and all of that. You don't have to worry about that, but it's still that challenge when somebody was super independent and always took care of that themselves. And now that's something that, that you're taking care of for them. Yeah. And I think that is that role reversal, isn't it? That we are really having to be their parents. And in some ways, my experience was that she became more like a child. Mm-hmm. And and, mm-hmm. and that's very hard, isn't it, on us emotionally, because we see this person who's now very vulnerable and can't make decisions for themselves. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it's hard depending on the family dynamics. I have a very close family, though. The four of us, my sister and my mom and my dad and me, we're very close and, and we've gotten along great you know, all of our years and we've kidded each other about things. We've wide range of emotions. It hadn't been a strictly parent child type of relationship, which has helped because we've been friends in so many ways, which has helped, but not everyone is like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's because that's one reason why it's so hard if you're in this situation to say, here's what you need to do, because I went through the same thing mm-hmm. because my situation is completely different from Kim's, mm-hmm. which is completely different from yours, which is completely different from everyone else, because we all have different family dynamics, personalities, situ- you know, personalities with ourselves, financial situations where it's impossible to just say, here's what you do. And that's why it's so hard because everyone is different. And yes, I was able to, to convince and my sister able to convince dad a to move into independent living and B to move mom into memory care five years later. But that doesn't mean that that everyone can go through the exact mm-hmm. same thing. But, and, and that's why it's so hard to, it, it, it's similar to, again, comparing it to having kids, there's a little bit of jealousy sometimes when you're a parent. And I remember our child was a late, our first child, our son was a late walker and a late talker. He was about two months later than other kids about his age walking. And so, you know, I, I see a couple of babies able to walk at 12 months and Brandon's still crawling around. I'm like, what is this? What's all 14 months? He starts walking all over the place at at two years. He wasn't talking. And I I see other kids his age who are saying complete sentences. I'm like, what's this all about? So you have some jealousy and then two and a half, he's talking fine, basically. So you just never know when you're comparing to others. And and that's the hard part here is that you compare it to, to other, our other parents, other aging parents. And you're like, well, that doesn't seem right. How come, how come you're able to do that? And you're not. Kim's mom has problems with her memory a little bit. It's not nearly like my mom. So part of me is jealous there, but she probably looks at my dad, who's three and a half years older than her mom. And your dad's still able to do tax returns and still (laughs) able to do things on his own. So what's the difference? Why is it not fair that everyone's at a different level? And because of that, it's just hard to grasp where you're at and why, what you're having to go through. Yeah. That it is hard. I I think that it's such an individual case by case that we can't really look at anyone else. One of the key things is having a community around you. Mm -hmm. How Kim and Mike has that supported you in this big life track? I think that I realized that 
with some even my closest friends that I didn't even know that some of the situations that they were going through because we hadn't ever talked about it. And once I knew that one friend mom's one one of my friends' mom has Parkinson's, another one has had to have major issues with moving and had to have brain surgery and all of these different things. Once we started talking about it, then we can support each other. And what we realized when what I noticed when Mike's mom moved into memory care, Mike posted one thing on social media and the outpouring of responses was amazing. But what really struck me was not just the people who, of course, expressed empathy for the situation, but what I really noticed were the number of people who said, oh my gosh, I've been through the same thing. I'm going through it right now, or I know it's in my future. And what that really led me to think of is Mike had an idea more than a year, more than a year before that, that I feel like there's the, the people aren't talking about this. And could we create a safe space for people to be able to be in community, ask questions, give advice, <clears throat> offer insight? And, and even though, as Mike said, every situation is a little bit different, we can still glean little tips and tricks from each other, can't mm-hmm. we? Oh, hey, here's a suggestion about his mom, his sister always takes yarn when she goes to visit their mom so that when she gets, if she gets agitated, she just says, Oh, I dropped a stitch. Can you help me with my knitting? And, and Graham, Mike's mom will immediately want to jump in and help and conversation diverted, if Mm -hmm. you will. So I think all of those, all of those things can be really beneficial. And so with the creation of our Facebook group, after I agreed with Mike, I said, yes, you're right. It's a good idea. We should do that. We just quickly realized that there are a lot of people going through the same thing. As we said, everybody has a story. Everybody has a situation. And really, most people don't realize that everybody else does too. Yeah. And so by bringing that community together, it really is amazing. The just no, If nothing else, you just feel supported. Mm-hmm. And then I have other people who have at least a clue as to what I'm experiencing. Truthfully, when my sister and I, and this was, gosh, almost three years ago, when we started looking at memory care places for my mom, there were four real close to each other pretty close to where my mom and dad lived. And I, I was, I looked at it like looking for an apartment. Like this is going to be easy. Again, not that we need it, <laughs> but we have a will. We have a power of attorney. We have a medical directive. Dad, who, when we were growing up, was very secretive about finances, but he's opened up everything and we know exactly what they can afford. And okay, this is great. We feel so prepared. This is going to be not easy, but this is not going to be, be a that problem. complicated. Yeah, right. let's just go. Okay. My sister and I, we drive around, we're looking at places. And we are so overwhelmed because we don't know what we're looking for. We don't know what questions to ask. Truthfully, and it's almost embarrassing to admit, the place that we chose of the four is the one where when my sister got a little emotional as she's telling the couple of people there about my mom, she kind of got a little emotional. They hug her. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. We're like, oh, they're so nice. I got a good feeling there. Okay, let's pick that one. Let's pick that one. (laughs) That's not a good reason to choose a place. Now we got lucky, but because of that, I'm like, I, I really wish that we had a place, a community to, to ask out because I, I don't feel like I can come home and ask any of our neighbors because I don't know if they, they know anything about right. memory care or anything. So I just wish there was some place just to ask ideas, suggestions, tips. So I told Kim that and she was a little reluctant at first because it's not an you know uplifting type of thing to talk about. But then she realized after we finally moved mom, we started the group uh, in April of 21 and it just immediately people who got in just said, I felt so alone and it's so good to have this community Mm -hmm. because I feel like I have support now. And again, people aren't together because it's social media. So you're just on Facebook, but you're able to see videos that we do that with experts 
whether you're talking to an expert about wills or power of attorney or Medicare or Medicaid or di- different things, the wide range of things that our aging parents have to go through, but it gives them, again, ideas. So they don't get the exact answer, chances are, because we're all different, but it gives them ideas about, mm-hmm. oh, I hadn't thought about that. Let me see if I can do that over mm-hmm. here and talk to somebody in my circle of friends. So in some ways, it was a little bit, some of the interviews that we do are selfishly things that I need to know more about. So we will interview somebody about a certain topic because it's something that I think, ooh, this is something that we're in the middle of with helping my mom. So we need to figure these things out. And you, and so we have taken those experiences. We've learned so much along the way as far as ways that, that we can really, people our age can be starting to prepare if they're not already, mm-hmm. the questions to start asking and things like that. And I think that it just helps you feel more comfortable. It doesn't solve all the problems, if you will, but it just helps you know what's coming and be able to feel like you're a little bit more prepared for what might be ahead, even though you can't perfectly prepare for everything, every single situation, because you're, we've heard so many cases and so many of the experts that we've talked to that you're one life event away sometimes from something happening. You don't, mom is fine until she breaks her hip or something like that. And our parents are fine until they're not. <laughs> but it's a safe place yeah. to bring up right. these different topics and just say, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, this happened. I don't know what to do. I'm pulling my hair out. And you're just venting, but people jump in mm-hmm. and A, support you, B, give tips mm-hmm. and ideas. Mm-hmm. And it just makes people feel better. And just seeing the responses of so many people that have felt so alone. And now they feel like they have that community of support around them just makes us feel so, so good. And it can make us feel really good when we have the opportunity to share from our experiences, all of us. Oh, we figured out what to do when mom keeps getting these scam calls. So do you know how to block calls or can you do this on a phone? So it's nice when somebody's gone through something to be able to then share what they've learned and hey, here's another way that you can block those spam calls or here's an idea of on my mom's iPhone. Okay, we took off the mail feature, the mail app and the Safari app. So she can't get on the internet. She can't check her email because it would just be more, it would be too confusing for her. She's better off doing that on our computer. So there's little tricks like that, that you, once you have figured that out for yourself or for your family, you realize, Ooh, I want to tell this to somebody else because this might be able to help them too. Yeah. And that's amazing because it's interesting that we don't talk about this in an Mm -hmm. era where We know people are now going to live into their 80s, 90s. Mm -hmm. A few are going to be 100. Mm -hmm. That we really have kept this part of life and later life and our parents' later life so close to our hearts. Mm -hmm. Why Mm -hmm. do you think that is? I think that some of it is very, some of it is personal. I think think a lot of it is embarrassment. You hate to admit that mom and dad aren't, Superman and Superwoman. And, but you just, you hate to, to show yourself as being vulnerable for, for most people. Yeah. You may want, you, you may like a little sympathy about yourself every once in a while, but for the most part, you don't like to admit that you have trouble with your kids or trouble with your parents, because again, it, it just exposes you. And when you, when that happens, I think that it's just not something, unless you feel like you're in a safe place, you're just not comfortable doing it. You're not going to walk into a neighborhood party or into a gathering around the holidays and just say, yeah, mom's got incontinence. I don't know about y'all, but it's just kind of yucky. You just don't bring that up. It's just, it's just, it's embarrassing. It's not fun. There's nothing good about it. But when you're in a safe place where you know that's what other people are talking about, 
You just have a different mm-hmm. attitude. And I think it can also just be really emotional as you're, nobody wants to see their parents decline. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to, the parents don't want to decline. They don't want to be in that position either. And so I think it's sometimes, I was talking to one of the members of our Facebook group yesterday, and she was just saying that the parents don't want to admit and their siblings don't want to admit that they really need help because it's hard and it's emotional. And sometimes it's just sad. It, it just, it really is sad. And so I think it's, most people don't want to talk about sad things if you don't have to, but I think that we just want to really make it so that people know that it's okay to talk about it. And that when we do, we can be, we can feel supported yeah. and we can get those, that insight and that help that we might need so that we don't feel like I'm banging my head against the wall because I've been trying to get a hold of social security for six weeks to try to get a question answered. And I realized I don't even know that maybe I'm not asking it in the right way, but if there's somebody that can shortcut that and help me with that, oh gosh, that's going to make my life so much easier. And you're not being judged. You're being supported. And that's such a key. And that is, that is I think the difference because I dealt with the social services they were pretty tough about what they did and didn't want, which is why we ended up with the scenario we ended up with because she wouldn't open the door to the carers that they provided or the gardener and she wouldn't have her shopping done. And then she went to the shops in four jumpers and not a lot else. Uh, and triggered a a situation that was not great. Who could really have been very upset about a very old person but it turned into a a drama where social services were concerned Mm, that's hard that's really hard yeah but on the basis of your Facebook group and everything you're learning what are some of the key tips that you might want to give the listeners who are experiencing facing many of these issues in their own lives I, I think one of the biggest mental Uh, attitudes you have to have is you have to start planning ahead because there are so many things where by the time you need it, it's too late. And so if you haven't planned ahead, you're going to get to that spot where you do need it and just, again, be pulling your hair out because, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do because I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have Mm -hmm. this. I don't know how to get it. It's it's just Mm going to be a headache. Mm -hmm. And if you have planned ahead, it doesn't mean that those bad times aren't going to come. It doesn't mean I don't have to move mom into memory care, but all those other things are taken care of. So we have a top five list that we can run through real quick. And their first one kind of sounds silly, but it's siblings. You got to make sure you're on the same page with your siblings. You want to make sure that you can play to the strengths of each of you. If one is really good at talking, convincing mom to do things, then maybe that's the one who is, you know, more prevalent in certain discussions. Or if there's, if one is the one who has the time or is close uh, in proximity to the parent, or does one need to live with, does a parent need to live with one of them? Just the more that you can just feel like we're all on the same page, because one of the worst things I think that can happen with families is that conflict arises and the sibling, you don't want it to damage permanently damage relationships. So it's really important to really have those discussions. One of the, one of the girls just told me recently that she's called a family sibling, a sibling meeting. And she said that spouses are not allowed. It's just the three of the three siblings. And we need to talk about this because these are our parents and we need to be able to start making some decisions. And so I think that's, it doesn't have to be that formal, but just making sure that your siblings are are on the same page. I also think it's important to know when it comes to where your parents live, what their wishes are. Do you have a parent that really wants to stay in their home no matter what, and they have the ability to bring in care, for instance, or like with my mom, I really wanted her to live in an independent living because she needed those activities. She needed not to be just sitting in her home by herself. 
not being able to drive anymore and watching TV all day. So having her in an independent living and fortunately, eventually, she wasn't really keen (laughs) on the idea at first. That's a long story. But it finally became her idea and she's loved it because she plays dominoes every day at three and they have exercise and they have, it's a pretty place and, mm-hmm. and they cook all your meals for you. So just knowing what their wishes are and in some ways what they're open to mm-hmm. if they aren't able to care for themselves. Yeah. So that's number yeah. two is housing. Number yeah. three is finances. So I talked about earlier with my dad. Yeah, he was private about his money when we were growing up, but now he's very open about it. Not to other people, but with my, my <laughs> sister and with me, because you, you've got to know how much money do mom and dad have. And you don't have to know down to the penny, but know basically what their savings looks like and what their income looks like. Do they have in America, social security? Do they have a pension? Do they have some other type of income coming in? What can they afford mm-hmm. as far as housing and their quality of life? Do you need to start planning ahead with your siblings that mom and dad have nothing? They're going to have to live with one of us. Let's start deciding. Or it's a case of mom and dad have some money. So let's find a nice place because they deserve it. And let's find a great independent living place for them to live with. So number three is finances. Number four is legal, which kind of sounds funny, but it goes back to... You don't know you need it until it's too late. And and whatever that looks like where you live, as far as what kinds of documentation you need, do you need a will? Do you need a trust? Do you need a power of attorney that allows somebody else to step in and take over finances or medical decisions if they're not able to? So whatever that looks like where you are, being able just to make sure that you've got the, do you need medical directives? Do you know their wishes for do not resuscitate order, things like that. Just It's so important to have those legal documents uh, in place because that is a, a really sp- specific example of if you wait till you need it, it's too late. Yeah. And the last one kind of sounds funny, but it's passwords. You've got to know what their passwords are for their iPhone, for their computer. Maybe it's to get into their apartment or to their house. If there's a safe where the will is, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Because Think about if something happens to mom or dad, not death, but something happens to them to where you have to get call and figure out who's that neighborhood boy who cuts their their yard, who cuts the, the most the their yard, cuts the grass. I have no idea. If I had their iPhone, I could do it. And if I can't get into their iPhone, I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. If they pay all their bills online, if they do online banking, okay, I can't get into their email to get the bills. I can't get into their bank to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, then you risk getting into so much trouble there. So if you know their passwords, doesn't mean you have to do anything with it. And that I know that scares some people like, oh my gosh, I can't just give you my password. You're going to do all kinds of things. No, just as long as you have it, just in case. And I do things like I go in and check my mom because I have her password or I probably set it up for and have to remind her what the password is sometimes. But like for her email, I'll go in and check it because she gets so much spam that looks very legitimate and has links that you don't want her, I don't want her clicking on because it's saying, oh, you've, we've renewed your PayPal account. And she says, I don't have a PayPal account. And so you don't want her clicking on stuff. So that's one thing that I've found is that I go in and check, I delete all that spam. I try to unsubscribe her from some of that stuff. And that just another level of just trying to protect her a little bit. Yeah. If you take yeah. those five things out of the equation, take those, take, have those taken care of, then you can concentrate just on what's best for mom and dad. Yeah, and I can totally concur with a lot of that. We're in an era 20 years ago when she didn't have an email, thank God. But her legal stuff was horrific. She hadn't Mm -hmm. made, she'd made a will, no enduring power of attorney. 
I was in the UK, believe you me, dealing with those authorities. It's a pain that I never want another person to go through. In the end, I was given the ability to manage her finances so her care could be paid and her bills could be paid. Mm -hmm. And her finances, yeah, she kept all those secret. That was a terrible shock for my sister and I to open up. And it wasn't a bad one, but it was a sad one. Yeah. She yeah. realized that she had lived so tightly and yeah. never used her money or anything. It was a heartbreaking day to go through her yeah, and tidy that up. So mm-hmm. I really value those five points, those tips you give them. They're, they're not easy because they require mm-hmm. other people to work with us, but mm-hmm. they can make the process easier so that yes you're right we can focus Mm -hmm. on our loved ones and that they're getting the best care and we're easing them into whatever situation they're going to have to be living on living in going forward exactly Mm -hmm. and it's helping them see that you're not trying to get all in their business you're not trying to do it just because you're really nosy it really is a gift that they can give to you so that you can help them better But that can be hard because some parents want to be very private. And again, they likely are not happy that they're in the situation where they are. Or if there are situations with with dementia, they may not be able to admit, if you will, that, okay, I think this is a problem. And so it's figuring out what are the ways that I can bring up these conversations and, and have these, hopefully, in many ways, way before it's actually ever even needed, so that you just already have some of that information handy if and if and when you do need to be able to access it. Yeah, very true. How can people find out about your Facebook group and get involved if it's right for them? The easiest place to go is to our website, which is just parentingagingparents.com. Very simple. And when you're there, you'll be able to see all the dozens of interviews that we've done with different experts that might be able to help you in your journey, wherever you might be. Mm -hmm. And there's also a button that leads you that you can click on that leads you right to the Facebook group if you want to join and be part of the the private community. Yeah. Again, it's a private Facebook group so that we don't have to worry about outsiders just stumbling in and seeing all of the very delicate conversations that are going on. But it's conversations that, again, are very open and very supportive that may help people feel better. And that's the goal of the entire community. That is wonderful. Mike and Kim, I want to thank you for coming on Thriving Through Menopause, talking about an issue that I think more and more of us are going to meet in our lives and sharing some really valuable tips. We'll put all your details in the show notes. Thank you for your time, your energy, and your passion in this area. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Take care.